Education is front and center in every session of the Indiana General Assembly. Usually, though, the focus is on making something happen. This session, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are united by a desire to keep something from happening. In short, they don't want Indiana schools or teachers to be judged or misjudged by the dismal results of the 2015 ISTEP exam. Hi, I'm John Schwannis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, I'll be joined by a panel of leading education policymakers. First up, this report from Eric Weddle of WFYI Public Media. Education policy continues to be a tumultuous issue for lawmakers, but this session, both parties are finding a little common ground on major proposals. That's quite a change from last year. In 2015, Governor Mike Pence and Republican lawmakers reshaped the State Board of Education despite opposition from State Superintendent Glenda Ritz and Democrats. They also knocked down any attempt by Ritz to pause accountability for teachers and schools on the state's high-stakes I-STEP exam. A year ago, Pence said a pause was not an option, despite the expectation that scores for students in grades 3 to 8 would drop dramatically. I'm frustrated with, uh, uh, frankly, the dysfunction that we've seen in the State Board of Education over the last two years. We've got to fix this test, make sure it's implemented uh, in a reasonable length this year, uh, that it has the validity to be able to support our A to F accountability system uh, and the publishing of those school grades uh, later in the year. And we've got to fix the State Board of Education going forward so that it can work and function in a way that will serve our kids and serve our families. And that's what we're determined to do. But Pence and Republican lawmakers felt the pressure from school leaders and teachers as I-STEP scores fell sharply on all portions of the 2015 test. When the 2016 General Assembly opened, Republicans took the lead to write legislation similar to what Ritz proposed last year. Pence now says he supports pausing accountability for I-STEP for one year. Let's also take action to ensure that our teachers and schools are treated fairly with the results of the latest I-STEP test. I'm very pleased that leaders in both parties in this chamber and in the Department of Education have been working with our administration since this fall to do just that. And I want to promise each and every one of you, especially our teachers, we will make sure the 2015 test scores fairly reflect the performance of our schools and will not affect teacher bonuses or conversation. Compensation, you have my word on that. But now, Red supposes a Republican bill that would rescore the 2015 I-STEP after accusations arose that some of the scoring was faulty. Representative Bob Boehning says the public needs to trust I-STEP. And I think if you talk to the speaker and pro tem, all of us are like, you know, we have to have a solid baseline to move forward with. And as long as there's lack of confidence by the education community, I mean, I've met with a number of superintendents over the last several days, and every one of them is like, yeah, you know, please rescore. We want to make sure that we're starting from a solid base. Rich's department says studies have found there's no evidence of problems with the scoring of the exam. In the meantime, we're going to focus our efforts prospectively. We have a new vendor. We have a new I-STEP test beginning in two months. Both of those things require a great deal of attention and field support and communication for our educators. But the I-STEP is not the only education issue on lawmakers' plates. There are more than 70 other education-related bills filed this session for issues like teacher retention, charter schools in Gary, and special education. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Eric Weddle.
Thanks, Eric. Back in a moment with this week's roundtable discussion. Indiana lawmakers, from the State House to your house. Purdue researchers are at the top edge of computer technology, 3D design using hand gestures, extending mobile battery life, leading through innovation and job creation. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org. If the 2016 session were an exam, it would pretty much boil down to four questions, at least as it relates to education. Question number one, how can Indiana schools and teachers be spared any fallout from their students' performance on the most recent ISTEP exam? Two, should the state revisit that exam to make sure it was properly scored? Three, is it time to get rid of ISTEP once and for all? And four, if the much maligned exam does go away, what kind of annual assessment should take its place? Here to answer those questions and maybe a few others are Democratic Senator Erlene Rogers of Gary, the ranking minority member of the Senate Education and Career Development Committee, Republican Senator Jim Banks of Columbia City, a member of that same panel, Daniel Altman, Executive Director of Communications for the Indiana Department of Education, and Richard Arkanoff, Superintendent of Center Grove Community School Corporation in Johnson County, just south of Indianapolis. I thank you all for being here to discuss education, which is not only half the state's budget, but a very important topic indeed. Let's start where there's agreement, or at least I think there's agreement, which is the attempts to spare teachers and schools any negative fallout from the 2015 I-STEP. As we tape this, we're thinking that uh, the two bills that deal with these issues will probably be approved. Is that as it should be, Senator? That is as it should be, and I think uh, educators, parents, students will all breathe a sigh of relief that that's going to be done. And uh, I'm very proud of the manner in which we as legislators have uh, uh, answered the call, you know, to make a change in this and the governor certainly leading the way. So, you know, it's a good day for Indiana education. Now, everybody seems to be on board. There were only two negative votes, at least, as of uh, this taping. Many Republicans were, I won't say late to the game, but were not uh, advocates of this early on. I think the governor came out in favor of uh, protecting teachers back in October. Why, uh, why, why not an earlier uh, recognition of that as a problem? Well, the, I would give the governor great credit. Collaboratively bringing together all players, the Senate, the House, I think it's Senate Bill 200, the Senator Cruz authored, and House Bill 1003, the Representative Banning, both chairs of the Education Committees authored, uh, Superintendent Ritz, the governor, the legislature, uh, several other players came together and collaboratively developed the legislation. So I would give everybody in the in the process more credit than that for coming together and appropriately addressing it, which will result in uh, what is this week two or three of the legislature passing? It's all a blur, right? That's it is a blur, <laughs> but passing two pieces of legislation that that truly address the issue and hold schools harmless for the I step fiasco of last year, resulting in the results that uh, the test scores that we've seen come out recently. And, of course, it does hold schools harmless. These bills, if signed, would, and they will be. Also, teachers held harmless. During the second reading floor debate, uh, there was some suggestion on the part of some of the Democratic members that this isn't only holding uh, those constituencies harmless, but also members of the General Assembly harmless, and I guess by extension, the Department of Education, because with elections coming up, nobody probably wants to go out and run on the platform 
we saw under our watch uh, scores drop by an average of 20 percentage points. Is this a little bit of uh, hide protection for the General Assembly and for the uh, Department of Education as well, do you think, Daniel Altman? Well, I would say it is obviously very welcome that there has been momentum on this in the last few weeks. Uh, the other thing that I would say is that Superintendent Ritz has been pushing for this exact idea for the last year and a half. And I think that if we had, uh, if there had been more momentum behind this idea a year and a half ago, we could have avoided a lot of the consternation that there has been since then. Uh, the momentum that we've seen is welcome, and it's uh, very nice to see people coming around to the position she's been pushing for this long. Um, but again, I do think that we could, uh, that this could have all uh, been much more straightforward had we taken those actions. Having, having said that, like I say, this is very important to hold schools harmless, to hold teachers harmless, to hold communities harmless. Because as you know, if a school sees a drop in its A through F grade, that doesn't just affect those school administrators, that affects realtors that are trying to sell houses where all of a sudden a school went from a B to a C or potentially something worse. And so this is incredibly important legislation that uh, helps not just education, but Indiana's economy as a whole. And it's a welcome sign to see it coming through. And, Superintendent, you're in the trenches, uh, as I say. uh, This is probably good news for you, even though I should point out that your district, in relative terms, did quite well. You still had 70 percent passing rate, which is 20-some percent above the statewide average, but still down, uh, certainly, from what it was. But good news for you? Yeah, uh, we felt like our performance was okay. Uh, We really didn't know what to expect, but we felt like it was a a good move forward for us um, as we take on a new test. Um, What uh, Just to echo um, some of the comments made, uh, we we definitely appreciate what the state is doing, what the legislators are doing as far as the hold harmless piece. Um, We'd like to see it go a step further and just basically dissolve the entire I-STEP uh, situation this year because it it really is an issue if grades come out or if any scores come out you know we have a, we have community members that have just lost all respect for ISTEP and this along with other missteps in previous years will just add to that and if we're going to measure schools we really need a strong assessment something that people support and can get behind and um, you know ISTEP when it first started out, it was a great tool, uh, but it has since been uh, changed and altered over the years that um, it really is not what it first set out to be. Now, some of your colleagues, and at least the association that represents many of them, has said that when it comes to the rescoring of, of the test, they'd like to see that happen. I mean, they're, I guess they're not as quick to jettison uh, the test as perhaps you are, but you would say rather than rescore it, just get it on out of there. I would. I think we're just throwing more money at a bad idea. And I think it's just time to start over. And with the new federal legislation, the state has the opportunity to take its time and look at what, what's the right thing to do for our kids. Looks as if maybe some percentage, uh, 5,000 or so to start with, would be assessed to see if there was a fundamental glitch in the scoring. Berlin Rogers, I'm, I'm guessing you would agree with the superintendent, <laughs> yeah. money not well spent? Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, I might take this opportunity to say I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, you know, I started out with Bob Orr's A-plus program, and I know what the intent of what we were trying to do in education uh, reform, and I thought things were working well. I thought one of the bad turns was to use an A to F grading system. 
for for the schools for the schools right you know and uh, because it it sometimes implicates something that's not the case when we first started out we would speak of schools at a school that needs improvement uh, which might be a school that's not scoring very well on the test you know and but uh, we went what they were saying is A to F is more understandable by parents and the people in the community but I do think that that was a disservice to change to A to F grading systems but since we did change to that system we have to make certain that those grades are truly reflective of the uh, progress and the achievement of the students. And, and that's certainly one side of the, uh, of the equation. Uh, there are many Republicans, uh, people in your caucus, Senator Banks, who say we should rescore or at least see if there was a fundamental problem so that we, there's a baseline. Uh, Senator Rogers uh, states it very well. This is about the achievement of the students and about a debate that we've had at the State House in the six years that I've been there about accountability, about raising our standards in the schools so that students will perform better and be better educated, preparing them well for the workforce. And that's why it's important to remember the fiasco with ISTEP isn't about ISTEP. It was about the administration of ISTEP that led to the situation that we find ourselves in today, that led to House Bill 1003, Senate Bill 200, that's, that holds schools harmless for the test scores that, that have come out recently, but also say that a school grade can't be lower than the grade that they had before. So ultimately, there are many of us who believe that accountability is important, and in the long run, schools will achieve better due to the accountability measures that we've passed. And the, the measures that likely will be signed into law by the governor today are, are a good um, stopgap to a problem that occurred uniquely uh, over the last year. But, they, but in, in the long term, we need to remember that accountability is important in our schools, ISTEP is a is a test that many of us uh, think it's not it's not um, we're not at a point where we should throw the uh, ISTEP completely out uh, out of the equation. Uh, again, there, there's, I knew we'd get to the, the disagreement aspect of this because clearly there there are those who say get rid of it now. We've already heard that articulated articulated those who say let's not move that fast. I guess the contract that's currently in place with Pearson, uh, the vendor that would be doing the the test for this year and next year. I mean, could we get out of it as a state now if we wanted to, or are we? I guess you can do anything you want when you're the General Assembly, but uh, are we stuck with it at least for, for through 2017? Well, with respect to uh, that, uh, some of that I would certainly defer to the General Assembly as far as trying to Good find move. a way out of the contract. <laughs> uh, we do have a two-year contract with them, and so we are working on, and at the department, we're focused on the I-STEP for this year because that's what's that's coming up here in the next couple of months and we're working on making certain that that's, that goes as smoothly as possible and so we're working with the vendor and we're working with schools in order to make sure that that administration happens as quickly as possible. There were problems with last year's vendor and the department's going to be seeking damages against them because of because of their inability to meet the contract. CTB McGraw-Hill as opposed to Pearson, which is doing the contract now. Yes, absolutely. Now. We've done that in the past, and we're going to be obviously doing that here in the future. And so that's something that we are, uh, from an administrative standpoint, we're certainly going to hold them to the standard that uh, our students deserve. Now, you're focused on this year, and you want it to, to run as smoothly as possible, but we saw reports <laughs> just this week that the, the dry run, if you will, the test uh, with the Pearson test for this year had glitches. There were frozen screens, various hiccups with the technology. Uh, I'm sure for those who 
this may be another chance for you to say, I told you so. Uh, I mean, is this yet another sign that, that it's, you know, this isn't right. the focus? It should be, in fact, uh, moving to something else sooner than later? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be my position. But, you know, I think just what we're doing now to or with education in the state of Indiana, so much emphasis is put on, uh, on the test. Uh, so much emphasis until, you know, teachers, parents, students are just test weary. And we forget that what we're trying, what we should be doing is concentrating on the standards, you know, what students should learn. And I understand that we absolutely need to see how our students are progressing, but I do think that testing has taken uh, a place in which it is overemphasized as we move along trying to raise the achievement of our students. I think there's a, lot, I think there's, there's a lot of agreement between Republicans and Democrats on that subject. The test shouldn't be the only determination that determines the school letter grades or that feed the teacher evaluations. There should be many more components to that. And, and the, I, all of the issues that we've seen with ISTEP I think, I think uh, there's a great deal of agreement that that proves uh, that, that the testing uh, should be one part of the equation, but not the whole equation. You see, there's no reason why there should be a division between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to education. Uh, that absolutely should be something that party politics are pushed aside. And I think uh, we are beginning maybe to do that a little bit more in terms of agreeing in terms of how we should uh, proceed, and I think as long as we keep that in mind, uh, you know, it's the welfare of the students and uh, you know, and educators and the community that's for at the forefront of how we act and react. I think we'll do just fine in the future. And, uh, Superintendent, you have a test uh, that you do now, almost mm -hmm. a dual test. You're doing certainly I step because you have a legal obligation to do so. But you you have another uh, approach that you think would work just as well, or you would like to see uh, take the place of. Yeah, I, you know, I believe in that. We should find ways to make work smarter. You know, um, so for example, we use NWA. And we find that to be beneficial because we can use that three times a year and we can track students' growth. That gives teachers the ability then to work immediately with students instead of waiting a whole year on one test such as the I-STEP. That actually tracks the students' growth and we can, our teachers can use that data uh, to work with the students. I, I agree with the accountability piece. I haven't met an educator yet that doesn't want to be held accountable and want to work hard. Um, you know, I have a great school district and hardworking teachers and wonderful kids, and they're out there every day giving it their best. And they don't mind taking the tests if it makes sense and it's something that they can utilize to work towards. And ISTEP has just not been that tool for us. Uh, so, um, you know, NWA has been a really strong strong tool. And ironically, it's the episodic nature of that test that may or may not make it acceptable to the federal government with the Every uh, Student Succeeds program, which it will take the place of No Child Left Behind. Although, Daniel Altman, you said that the jury's out on that. It may, in fact, uh, the feds may uh, look kindly on, on these, uh, these types of testing programs after all. Because the they have in the past said, you know, it's the notion here is it's yeah, we like to track progress, but we really want that annual assessment of, of what people have learned year to year. That's true, and Superintendent Ritz absolutely believes that it's time to move beyond I-STEP. And in recent weeks, the federal government has uh, enacted fixes to what used to be called No Child Left Behind and is now called ESSA in the alphabet soup that is Washington, D.C. <laughs> and what that does is it will give states more flexibility as to the type of assessment that they 
have to use. And so that means that they can, instead of using one big summative test like ISTEP that's just given at the end of the year, it's pass-fail, it's expensive, you can use something that's called, well, the superintendent here was just talking about, that's more of a formative test. It's done throughout the course of a year. Teachers can use it to actually inform instruction. And so you can watch and see how your students are growing throughout the course of the year. And it's much more useful. It's generally much less expensive to administer. And I think that's something that there's a lot of support for from educators throughout the state. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, superintendent Ritz a couple of years ago was part of an accountability panel that was bipartisan. It had uh, appointments from the Senate and the House and uh, the governor's office. And it was educators throughout the state. And we think it's time to put together a group like that again and have a common sense, constructive discussion about what our assessment system should look like. And of course, all the tests in the world won't matter if we don't have good teachers in the classroom. How's that for a smooth transition? <laughs> <laughs> Teacher shortage, well, that was another issue we right. heard going into this session, maybe even a third fewer people seeking initial licensure. Um, Jim Banks, serious concern, and if so, uh, is it something that will yeah, be dealt with is, this yeah, session? The, the teacher shortage is a, is a concern, but, but we need to step back and look at what the teacher shortage really is. And Michael Hicks, an economist at Ball State, as he studied the issue, it's very specific. The teacher shortage is in math and science, some of the STEM courses, finding teachers and, and some of those types of um, those types of teachers. We we have a surplus of elementary school teachers entering the workforce and looking for jobs in education. So to, to, to fix the teacher shortage, we need to look at fixing issues like the archaic collective bargaining system. I was going to say, that's the, that some of your colleagues have, have suggested, yeah, allowing people in those STEM fields to negotiate effectively their own deals. Right, that's exactly right. And that's a non-starter, I'm guessing, for you, yeah, Ernie Rogers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can refer you to, to my bill, Senate Bill 328, that we heard in uh, Education uh, Committee yesterday, which is a way of trying to attract uh, teachers to the uh, to the teaching profession. It calls for a grant that will be uh, issued by uh, the Commission on Higher Education, and uh, so uh, we heard it yesterday. Uh, Chairman Cruz has joined me on it, and it's trying to attract teachers to those areas in which we have shortages. Uh, of course, uh, this past summer, uh, during the interim study committee, we had to argue the fact that there were shortages. I mean, there were people out there saying there are no shortages. So what this bill also does, it requires the Department of Education to keep track of those areas in which you, we need to have more teachers. And once we find out which areas those are, then there would be grants there for them. Well, so. just like a student who runs out of time on the test, I'm being told we're out of time, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. We have a lot more to talk <laughs> about. I should just say... Thank you for your service. You've announced you're retiring at the end of this session, not seeking re-election. Right, yeah. You've been a passionate advocate for children and education Thank and a you. friend of this show. Appreciate that, Thank uh, all you. your Thank support you over the years. Right, yeah. Thank you all for being here for this um, important discussion on probably the most important issue year in and year out that faces the state of Indiana. Again, my guests have been Democratic Senator Erlene Rogers of Gary, Republican Senator Jim Banks of Columbia City, Daniel Altman of the Indiana Department of Education, and Richard Arkanoff, uh, Superintendent of Center Grove Community School Corporation. On the next Indiana Lawmakers, we're hitting the roads again, repairing them, building them, and most importantly, paying for them. And time now for our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of Indiana Legislative Insight and its sister newsletter, Indiana Education Insight. Ed, make sense of this issue for me. I feel like I've just been through a standardized test, uh, a lengthy one myself. Well, part of the problem, John, that, that it's not making sense is because you've got kind of strange bedfellows on, on all sides of this issue. You've got 
the governor and his legislative leaders, the Republican leaders in the, the House and the Senate, that are standing essentially with the Indiana State Teachers Association on the hold harmless issue on ISTEP and against some of their more traditional allies, Stanford Children and the uh, Institute for Educational Quality. So a lot of the, the planets that you normally see aligned on, on certain sides aren't aligned here. You've got Senator Luke Kenley agreeing with uh, Superintendent of Public Instruction Glenda Ritz. You've got a Republican and a Democrat agreed on going back a few years, getting rid of I-STEP. And some are, are wondering whether, you know, there, there may be some things happening on I-STEP in terms of its administration that may be leading to its demise a little bit quicker than you might expect because of some of these, these preferences. But we're at a point now where, because of the, the change in the federal law, the, the change for no child left behind to the, the new um, replacement, where we're going to have to come up with, with some kind of alternative to ISTEP, a new kind of test. And this gives us a good chance to transition effectively into that. Do you think that these odd coalitions will hold throughout this uh, process of negotiation over finding a replacement test? Or is this just happens an alignment of planets that it will dissipate quickly? I think we've seen a lot of, of strange alliances over the years on, on some of the standards and some of the tests. So I, th I think we're going to continue to see uh, shifting alliances on this. We saw that with, with the, uh, the educational standards where, where certain people um, ended up changing positions along the way and when it became a little bit uh, more politically feasible for them to be on one side or the other. And I, I think this is going to be a lot like that where you're going to see politics play a large part, but it's not necessarily to be politics with a, a capital P, but it may be with a small P on that. And that's a big distinction, certainly, uh, as, we, as you can attest. Ed, thank you very much, as always, for your insight. Much appreciated. For more information, streaming episodes, and extra content, go to wfyi.org lawmakers. You can also visit us at WFYI on Facebook and Twitter. Use hashtag Indiana Lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity and Bright House Networks. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Schwannis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleagues Ed Feigenbaum and Eric Weddle, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for more on the 2016 session. Until next week, take care. Purdue startup NeuroVigor, renewing hope for people with chronic diseases like MS and Parkinson's by targeting neurotoxins, helping people, changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.